Welcome back, Heming Brainiacs. We're talking about Oxford Book of Verse, Sir Thomas Wyatt. BYO prompts. I couldn't think of anything to say, except for, you know, the stock standard question when we've got a few poems. Which one was your favourite and why? Old Reliable. Acoustic Eel says another musical setting of The Appeal. Peter Warlock was a Cornish composer from the early 20th century, but his style was very much ahead of his time. His harmonies were very unusual for 1928, as you'll hear. And he instructs the singer and piano to ignore the bar lines and sing as though the song were without a meter. This gives the song a floating, unsteady quality, as the singer asks his love not to leave, uncertain if she will come back. Let's hear it. Let's see if I can actually get this to play. Here we go. It's probably going to play an ad now that I do this. Interesting. I'm going to stop it there, but you get the gist. And those were interesting chords indeed. Those were interesting chords. Uh, Peter Warlock, I oh, read that bit. Uh, he was also into the revitalization of the Cornish language, Celtic, Celtic, sorry, language, related to Irish, Scottish, Gaelic, and wrote some pieces to be sung with Cornish lyrics. It didn't catch on, though. That's a shame. Celtic or Celtic. I can never remember which one it is. Celtic, right? Celtic language. Irish, Scottish, Gaelic, all that. Um, are just so lyrical and poetic in their prose. I love to read old Celtic writing. In English, of course. Uh, Swim said the moment she said, I found all the poems pretty meh. But Sir Thomas Wyatt is fascinating. Uh, he was an English politician, ambassador, and lyric poet, credited with introducing the sonnet to English literature. Really. His family adopted the Lancastrian side of the Wars of the Roses. There you go. That's uh, the Lancasters, the Lannisters in Game of Thrones, which is based on the War of Roses. Am I right? His father, Henry, who had earlier been imprisoned and tortured by Richard III, had been a privy councillor in Henry VII and remained a trusted advisor when Henry VIII ascended the throne. It's a very Game of Thrones, isn't it? In 1509. Thomas followed his father to court after his education in St. John's College, Cambridge. Entering the King's service, he was entrusted with many important diplomatic missions. In public life, his principal patron was Thomas Cromwell, after whose death he was recalled from abroad and imprisoned. In 1541, he was subsequently acquitted and released, but only thanks to the intervention of Queen Catherine Howard and on the condition of reconciling with his wife. He became ill not long after and died in October 1542 at around 39 years old. Interesting. There's a lot more there. I'll stop there, but it's interesting that, you know, one thing I find is that, uh, you know, we said already he wasn't the best poet. He was just in a very privileged spot, wasn't he? And so much of the poetry that survived from that era, I don't think is from necessarily the best artists 
of the day. I think it was a privilege to be literate at all, and even more of a privilege to be in a position where anything you wrote was actually kept uh, or published in you know some way that would be preserved. And that's why we get poems like these. They're okay. They're good. But uh, they only really echo through the ages because he was privileged enough to be positioned for that to happen. I reckon. Anyway, let's read our next poet, Henry Howard, Earl of Surrey. This one is called... I feel like this is just nailing my point I just made. No, Earl of... He was an Earl, this guy. And the most generic of titles for a poem, Description of Spring. By the way, Henry Howard, Earl of Surrey, was born 1516 and died in 1547, wherein each thing renews save only the lover. The suit season that bud and bloom forth brings with green hath clad the hill and eke the vale. The nightingale with feathers new she sings, the turtle to her make hath told her tale. Summer is come, for every spray now springs. The heart hath hung his old head on the pale. The buck in break his winter coat he flings. The fish is fleet with new repaired scale. The adder all her slow away she slings. The swift sparrow pursueth the flies smale. The busy bee her honey now she mings. Winter is worn, that she that was the flower's bale, and thus I see among the pleasant things each care decays, and yet my sorrow springs. Um, interesting. Mings means mingles, short for mingles or you know mixes. Um, you know, for a description of spring poem, which there just seems to be so many. Um, every poem seems to be about basically is just how good is spring Um, but it was pretty good I actually thought it was a good poem complaint of the absence of her lover being upon the sea another good uh, I don't know that subject Uh, a, a woman lamenting that her partner is uh, at sea I think um, is, I don't know, it's like a, it's a fertile ground. I can, I can imagine the yearning feeling of that um, as an interesting topic, I think. Oh, happy dames that may embrace the fruit of your delight, help to bewail the woeful case and eke the heavy plight of me that wanted to rejoice the fortune of my pleasant choice good ladies help to fill my morning voice in ship fright with remembrance of thoughts and pleasures past he sails that hath in governance my life while it will last with scolding sighs for lack of gale furthering his hope that is his sail toward me the sweet port of his veil alas how often dreams i see those eyes that were my food which sometimes so delighted me that yet they did me good Wherewith I wake, with his return, whose absent flame did make me burn, and but when I find the lack, Lord, how I mourn. When other lovers in arms across rejoice their chief delight, drowned in tears to mourn my loss, I stand the bitter night. 
in my window where I may see before the winds how the clouds flee. Lo, what a mariner, mariner love hath made me. And in green waves, when the salt flood doth rise by rage of wind, a thousand fancies in that mood assail my restless mind. Alas, now drencheth my sweet foe, that with the spoil of my heart did go, and left me, but alas, why did he so? And when the seas wax calm again, to chase fro me annoy, my doubtful hope doth cause me plain, so dread cuts off my joy, thus is my wealth mingled with woe, and of each thought a doubt doth grow. Now he comes, will he come? Alas, no, no. Another goodie. I think I like this poet. This one's called The Means to Attain Happy Life. Marshal the things that do attain, the happy life be these, I find, the richest left, not got with pain, the fruitful ground, the quiet mind, the equal friend, no grudge, no strife, no charge of rule, nor governance, without disease, the healthful life, the household of continuance, the mean diet, no delicate fare, true wisdom joined with simpleness, the night discharged of all care, where wine the wit may not oppress, the faithful wife, wife without debate, such sleeps as may beguile the night, contented with thine own estate, nay wish for death, nay fear his might. Alright, and that's our poems for tonight. Remind me of the poet's name, Henry Howard, Earl of Surrey. I quite liked him. I quite liked him. They, were, they had a clarity to them, which I think um, I need. You know, I'm a bit of a simpleton. But there we go. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Catch you tomorrow.